Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Now, I have a, I don't know if it's a sickness, I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but I don't dream. Does anybody in here not dream at night? Okay, I'm alone. Thank you for making me feel alone. But literally, I will tell you this. Basically, like, I might dream and remember the dream once or twice a year. That probably means something's broken deep down inside of me, but we're going to move past that really quickly. Because here's what I know about dreams. Dreams, I must not have any desires. That's the problem. Dreams generally are an expression of some things that we desire. Something in our life that we want to see happen or reconciliation or maybe you're dreaming about flying. I don't know. But dreams generally come out of this part of our life that deal with our desires. And desires are so important in our life because here's the deal. How, how do you make some, maybe some of those dreams become a reality? Like for me, I don't know about you, but like there are things that I dream about. There are things that I desire in my life, but I just don't quite know how to make that dream become reality, to make it actually happen in our lives. And there are steps that you can take as you may have a dream for your family or desire for the kind of family that you want. And so today we're going to talk about how do you actually make that happen as a reality in your relationships and your family. I don't know about you, but like this guy named John Acuff, he said something so interesting because I really didn't know what the difference between a dream and a goal was. And he did a ton of research on people who have like these big aspirations for their life, but they don't quite know what to do. So they did a ton of research and he was asked in this interview, they said, this guy said, so, all right, what's the difference between a dream and a goal? And he says, it's really simple. The difference between a dream and a goal is action. And he said, the majority of people will give up on their dreams on day two. Like if they start to go after their dreams, they'll give up on day two. Why? Because day one, it's a dream. Day two, it's an action. And so let me just ask you, like in this room tonight, and uh, where are you in the dream for your family, for your life? Like what, what kind of family do you want to have? Do you have a dream for your family? Do you have a desire for your family do you, do you know what you want to see and what you believe in, in the kind of uh, relationship you want to have with your spouse and the kind of relationship you want to have with your kids? And I want to just say this to all the young people in the room. Here's the deal. I know that when a family series happens, a lot of young people in the room go, this isn't for me. I'm just going to turn this off. Here's the reality. If you don't know the dream that you have for your family, then how are you going to bring the people into your life that will help you get there? Like, here's the deal. I was told this a really long time ago uh, by a pastor friend of mine. He said, choose your spouse wisely because they will either magnify your ministry or they will cut it in half. And I'll tell you, Kelsey has helped magnify our ministry as a family. And so here's the deal. Like, you have to hear this message as well, young person, because the reality is I want you to get a vision and a dream for your family and what it could be so that when you are talking about the people that you want to bring in your life, you'll, you'll pick the right people that will run the race with you. And so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah tonight. 
It's Old Testament. We're going to be all over the book tonight because Nehemiah is this book that's really about this idea of how do we take a dream and make it a reality. Now, Nehemiah and the book Ezra in the Old Testament are actually one book. They're one story, two different parts. Ezra had the dream after Israel had been destroyed by the Babylonians to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the place where the people would worship. And then Nehemiah has this deep, deep concern and love for Israel in the fact that he wants to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem so that they will have a safe place to worship. But this book honestly gives us so much insight into the dreams that we can have and how we can make those dreams a reality. So tonight, we're talking about the Lord, we're talking about the Bible, but it's going to get right in your life tonight and going to give you some practical steps in how to deal with this dream that you may have. So starting in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 11, Nehemiah hears how Israel's been destroyed. Israel's had some problems in their life, and so it starts off with this idea of a a dream. So listen to what it says, verse 5 in chapter 1. And I said, this is Nehemiah, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. That I now pray before you, before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned against you. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But, verse 9. If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them through your outcast, though you are outcasts, are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And Nehemiah goes and talks to the king. But here's the deal. Nehemiah had a dream. Nehemiah has this desire in his life to see the people of Israel not just have a wall. The reason he wants to have this wall is because he wants to see the hearts of the people turn back to God. He has this desire that in them that they would move back into a relationship with God. And so here's the very first point. You and I have to start with the dream. Here's another way of stating it. You have to start with why. Why is always more important than what? Because what is how you get to the place that you want to be in this life. But let me tell you, if you don't have a real reason why you're doing it, any opposition or obstacles or hard times that come in the way of what, you'll give up. That's why so many people go from a dream to a goal and they quit on day two because the action comes in. And so you and I have to start with this idea of why. Why do I want to see this? Why do I want to have this in my family? Why do I want to do this? Do you want to hear the vision that Kelsey and I have for our family? Do you guys want to hear the vision that Kelsey and I have for my family? All right, I'm not going to share it if you don't want to hear it. Oh, hey. So here's the deal. 
Kelsey and I have this really deep desire for one thing in our family, that when our kids no longer need to be with us, they still want to be with us. I didn't come up with that. Andy Stanley did, and I stole it. It was good. (laughs) But here's the deal. That's the why. We want to have a relationship with our kids that endures so much that when our kids are older and no longer need to be with us, they still want to be with us. Not like laying in bed with us. That's weird, right? But like they want to be part of our lives. And listen, when you want your kids and and your family to be part of your lives, it changes the way you parent. It changes the way you discipline. It changes the way you speak to them. Because instead of all of the discipline being about right and wrong, it's always about why. Hey, because we love you, because we want you to be an incredible person. So really, this isn't about punishment. This is about development, right? And you can't put someone into the ground that you're trying to develop. And so what happens for you and I is when we have a vision and a dream of what we want to see, we have to start there and start with why, because why will determine every single step that we take. Right, We will align it with that vision. We will align it with what's going on. And so what's the vision for you and your family? For my, my vision for Kelsey and mine's relationship is that we will love spending time together sitting on the porch and just enjoy each other's company while watching our kids and their families play. That's it. If you tell me, like, where do you want to be? I just want a porch somewhere. <laughs> a lanai, if you're in Florida, okay? It's a lanai. I just want somewhere to go watch our family. That I still want to hold her hand and sit on the porch next to her. Right? But if I speak to her in a certain way, if I treat her a certain way, I don't know if she's going to want to sit next to me. I'm already grumpy. Who knows what I'm going to be like when I'm older? I'm already grumpy, guys. Right? Bob works out with me at the gym. He can tell you when I get there, I'm grumpy. He smiles. He says good morning to me. Then he punches me and I get better. But here's the deal. I'm already grumpy. I need to change that. Because I don't know about you, but do you guys like being around grumps? I don't think Kelsey's going to want to be around one either. And so i got to change the way that I live my life to align with the purpose and the vision that I want for my marriage at the end of the day. Notice that my vision and, and our purpose for marriage has nothing to do with what we look like at the end of the day. Has nothing to do with how much money is in the bank account. Has nothing to do with the kind of car that we have, the number of grandkids that we have. Has nothing to do with that. It's that I want to sit by her on a porch and enjoy it. And so I need to be the kind of husband that that leads and loves that way. You want to know what my vision is for this church? Yes. All right. There's some brown nosers in the room. Okay. They were waiting. They were like, yes. Oh, he said it. Did you see me, pastor? I said it. Okay, here we go. For our faith family, here's what we want. Because the way that we have discipled and loved the people and taught the people of this church to love God and others, that our faith family will grow and churches will be planted and bedrock will be even stronger when my time here is done. Because this, this can't be built on Blake Harka. I'm going to die I might move, right? Some of you are freaking out. Like, are you saying something? Is there an announcement? There's no announcement coming. But here's the deal. There will be a day when my assignment here is done. And we want to leave a church that we've put everything into so that when we leave, you're stronger. 
that there's a better pastor coming up, that we've raised up leaders, we've planted churches all over this city and this state and the world because of what God has done in this place in healthy churches that really love people and really love God and are just for the mission of what's going on. And I'm not saying that other churches don't do that. I just want that to be us. And so you always have to start with why. So let me just ask you, what's your why? In your family, in your relationship with your spouse, in your church, in your job. Like, just because we're focused on the family doesn't mean that why can't apply to every other part of your life. Nehemiah got a why. Nehemiah understood because God gave it to him. And maybe your step in this life and in this moment as we go through this, this series and this, this first message is this. Lord, what is the why of my life? What, why do I exist? Because here's the deal. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. And if you're here, you've got a purpose. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And here's the deal. Purpose is internal. It can't be tarnished by all the bad things that we've done. Because it's divinely given and divinely inspired. And so let me just tell you something. Like you have not messed up so much that God cannot do what he, exactly what he intended to do in your life. You have a why. You exist for a reason. But not only do we need to understand the why, once you understand why, you go from day one to day two. And I don't know about you, but you got to clarify what's going on. The clarity and clarify what needs to happen in order for this to go on. So as our Nehemiah has this vision where he goes, look, I want to see the people of God in Jerusalem come back to God. I want to see them worshiping God again. I, I want to see like us making, uh, 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 like worshiping in the temple and making sacrifices and following the laws and the heart of Israel come back to God. That's a big why. Some of us in here, like look at our why in life and go, man, that's scary. And it should scare you. Because if it's a God-sized vision, it's bigger than you. And you're going to need people around you. And you're going to need a team to help you walk through this. If your vision can be accomplished by you, that's not a God-sized vision. That's not a God-sized why. So if I want to be an incredible husband to Kelsey, if I want to be an incredible dad, I need to have other men in my life and other women in my life that can speak into my life and go, hey, I know you're wise, like you want to sit on the porch with Kelsey, but I just overheard that phone conversation you had, and I don't know if you spoke to her in a way that would accomplish that goal at the end of the day. And I need to be humble enough and understand that there's men in my life and women in my life that will speak into it to help me realign with where I'm headed. We need each other. But in order to get anywhere, you got to clarify where you're headed. You got to get clarity about what's going on. Nehemiah chapter two, verse five. So Nehemiah says, hey, look, can I go back to Jerusalem and can I do something? This is what he asked to do. And he said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah where Jerusalem is, to the city of my father's graves, that what? I may rebuild it. See, Nehemiah knew like his big why in life was to help Israel start worshiping God again, to come back to the Lord. So Ezra rebuilds the temple. Nehemiah helps rebuild the wall because it's really hard to worship when you don't feel safe, when there's enemies at the gates, when people are coming in. And so Nehemiah goes, hey, like Ezra, you got your part of the why. You rebuild that temple, bro. 
Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go rebuild the wall so that we can feel safe, so that we can feel secure, so that we can move forward in this life. See, Nehemiah dreamed that the people of God were to return to God, so he built a place that they could return to. That was the dream, right? Hey, I want everyone to come back, so I'm going to build a place that you all can come back to. I'm going to build a spot that you and I can find that hope, and you and I can, can be there, and I just want to create a safe place. See, if we don't clarify where we're headed and have specifics, then we'll never arrive. See, that's a tactic of the day. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never arrive. You'll also never be late or not make it. And I think some of us are so scared of the big God why in our life, and we stop believing that God's going to give provision for us and give us direction and guidance to get to why, that we kind of go, okay, then there, I don't know the exact place that I'm supposed to go, so I can never mess up. Let me put it into practical terms. What's the God-sized vision that God's put in your life, but you haven't done it yet because you're scared of failing? And because you're scared of failing, you never started. Well, then you failed. It's just easier to swallow. It's just easier to deal with because you're like, you know, I'm scared of failing, but you can't ever succeed if you don't take that step. If you don't move forward and move towards this big why. And so, like, let me ask you, what are the big steps in your life that maybe you're afraid to take in your marriage right now? To clarify, like, I want to have a marriage where we sit together on the porch at the end of the day. And so I need to apologize. Because... I've done some things I shouldn't have done. I've said some things that cut deep. I need to apologize. But then that fear comes in. Well, what if they don't accept the apology? What, what if they just rub it in my face? What if they embarrass me? What if they don't say sorry back? They've done stuff too. I know. I know. It takes two to tango. It takes one to apologize. See, because here's the deal. Once you give the apology out, it's off you. It's up to them to receive it. And you better believe that the Lord can prepare you for whatever that is. Whatever the answer is. And then when that apology comes, the actions have to change, right? Because here's what happens for so many of us. Like, because we're scared of failing with our kids. So, like, we're afraid sometimes. Like, I'm not going to discipline my kids because they might, may not like me. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. If you grow little tyrants, they'll never like you. They'll always rule you. So because I love you and because the vision that God's given me, the why that he's given me is so much bigger, then I can deal with your disappointment right now to secure our relationship in the future. Right? Because here's the deal. Bad's going to come. Disappointment's going to come. Anger's going to come in one way. Do you want to do a little bit now here and there to build a better future? Or do you want to embrace it all in the future? I don't know. What do you want to do? What aligns with your why? If you want to be friends with your kids, I'm all for that. But your, your little kids right now need parents, not friends. Okay? You can be friends later. And I'm telling you, like, I am friends with my parents. But when I was little, they were parents and not friends. And now I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Because like I, I needed that structure. I needed that discipline. I needed those things in my life. And even though I, I hated it then, I'm so thankful now. 
Right? And like we've had our kids. I'm not going to call out which one says it. Okay? Because I love them. And I know deep down they love me. But we've disciplined. Like, hey, no golf cart today. Hey, early bedtime. Hey, no dessert. Hey, up to your room. Hey, time out time. Hey, you can't go here. Hey, you can't do that. And what's the words that come out of their little mouth? I hate you! And you know what I say back? I love you. And because I love you, we're not going to be doing this. And because you love them and your why is greater than their current feelings for you, you can endure anything. Because the why is greater than the feeling. So you got to get this down and you got to clarify what needs to happen. Because here's the deal. If you set out from your house, but you have nowhere that you need to end up, you're just going for a walk. And I think for some of us in our families and in our relationships, we're just taking a walk. Because we're just too afraid sometimes because we've experienced so many bad things. One of the things that we're going to get in, in the series is you can't parent through your hurt. The, I, I, you cannot be what your parents were. Some of us, I know, have had terrible parents and terrible upbringings. And I know that it's so hard. But you can't walk away from your childhood backwards that you won't be those things. You cannot be those things and t- walk to something so much better. You can't just have relationships through all of your hurt. You got to find the healing and you got to turn and walk towards something so much better. That's in the opposite direction of that. But some of us need to turn around in our life. God's got something so much better for you and you can't see it because you're walking away backwards. A good vision for your life is not to be somebody else. A good vision is to be who you are called to be. And it can be the total opposite of that. Like we didn't plant bedrock to not be every other church. We planted bedrock because we felt like God was calling us to plant a church here in the kind of church we were trying to plant. We're not trying to not be anybody. And I have church planters all the time call me and say, hey, man, we're we're planting a church. Like, can you tell us, like, what's going on? And can you tell me all these things? And I just say, why are you planting a church? And they're like, well, because there's no good churches in our city. Wrong. Wrong. You think you're God's blessing to the city? You think you're the only one? Wrong. That's not a God-sized vision. That's like overcoming a man-sized vision. So we have to get into this area in our life where we are looking at where we are headed, not what we are coming from, and we have to have a destination. Otherwise, you're just taking a walk. See, Nehemiah didn't go, man, I want to bring God's people back. I, I, I want to bring them back to a worship. So he just got to the city and said, hey, what, I don't know what I'm doing. I got a vision, but I don't know what I'm doing. You got to clarify what needs to happen. And let me just say this, Okay. There are a lot of people who do nothing with good intentions, but good intentions must be accompanied by incredible action. I mean, a lot of us in here have really good intentions, I'm sure, but good intentions never helped anybody. Actions help people. And so you got to clarify where you're headed so you know the action you need to take. And let me just tell you something. You may be leading and walking towards a God-sized vision for your life and for your family, And you go, man, what if I make the wrong step? You can adapt and survive. You will make a mistake. You will fail at something. I failed at parenting this week. Bad. 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 You're like, pastor, you failed? Yes. Of course I did. I do apologize. 
to my kids. Bad dad moment. But we don't need to be, be a concrete bad dad moment. We need it to be a humility moment because the vision's greater than me being right and my kids thinking I'm always right. So I need to apologize to bring healing so we can become the family that our kids want to be around us even when they don't have to be. Amen. See, vision aligns everything in our life. And so here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he clarifies, all right, here's what we need to do. I want the people to worship again, so we need to build a wall. All right, so here's what we're going to do. So what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah 2, 11 to 16, look at what the Bible says. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. That could be a word for some of us. You ever met somebody who gets a new vision, a new prophecy, a new insight, a new call every day? God's called me to be a missionary to Zimbabwe. Man, that's awesome. That's incredible. How can I help you next day? God's called me to be a pastor in the United States. I don't know what happened, but the vision changed. No, I don't think so. Maybe we just were, we had weird tea that day. I don't know. Maybe you had like, I don't know what happened. Maybe like essential oils and you got the mixture wrong and you just like thought you had an experience and really you're just suffocating. Who knows? But here's the deal. Nehemiah held in his heart what God had called him to do until he had clarified what needed to happen and then he found out what needed to go on. Right? you got to find out what you're working with. That's exactly what Nehemiah does. There was no animal with me but the one in which I rode. I went out by night to the valley gate, to the dragon spring, and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down in its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. It was so messed up. Then I went up by night to the valley, by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest of who were to do the work. This is what happens. Nehemiah goes, i got to figure out what I'm working with. Right? Because like, if you're going to have this incredible vision and destiny and destination that you're going to arrive with in your family, your relationships, anything, this goes beyond just the family, then you got to know what you're working with. you got to assess and go, hey, this is what we got. It's not a lot, but it's a start. Because once you know what you have, then you can go get what you need. Right? I mean, how many, anybody here ever do a DIY project? Bob's going to be helping me do some DIY projects. Let me tell you that. But here's the deal. Anyone ever go to Home Depot 6,000 times because you stop knowing what you need? You're like, oh, I'm going to put in this new thing. All right, here we go. Get all this stuff. Leave. It's a good day. I just spent $300. I got a new tool because it's awesome. It's going to help me do the job. And then you get home and you realize you bought the wrong thing. Or you, and then, or Kelsey will be like, hey, did you get the nails? And I'm like, I got to go. See ya. Because <laughs> here's the deal. I didn't take assessment of what I needed to get to where I wanted to go. So I'm wasting time. I hate Home Depot. I hate Lowe's because they get to know my name. You know, the greeter that's there and you walk in. He's like, hey, Blake, what'd you forget this time? And I'm like, I don't even know. Right? And I just leave. 
I'm just buying the whole store. Then I'll definitely have what I need. And then you always ask the guy. You're like, I need this thing in my bobber. You guys been there? And they're like, oh, thing in my bobber. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not in this world. Do you know what the, the kenosis is or the hypostatic union? And they're like, no. I'm like, so be quiet. I need the thing in my bobber. And then they go, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a number four or whatever, da 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 and they get you there. Right, the doohickey, right? You need a doohickey and the thingamajig, right? But here's the deal. I need the doohickey on the thingamajig to get the thing going. And the guy at the Home Depot's like, I, I'm with you. I got it. Clarity is here. Let's go to the plumbing section. You're like, I'm trying to build a roof. I don't, okay, plumbing it is. You got to find out what you're working with. You got to take assessment of where things are in your life and where you're going. Like, so what are you working with in your family? Well, okay, you want to have an incredible marriage where you guys want to sit together on a porch? What kind of conflict resolution skills do you have? Let me tell you, ignoring things is not conflict resolution. Sarcasm is not conflict resolution. In fact, sarcasm tends to start new conflicts. All right, because you hear and you're like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, I don't mean nothing. You're like, I, I heard, right? And then you're... Fighting about not the thing you were fighting about? Right? Anyone got there? You're just spinning your wheels, spinning your... Did we get anywhere? No, I don't even know where we're headed. But I'm out of gas. I'm tired. Let's go to bed. And so here's what happens to so many of us is we need to take assessment of what's going on. Like, do you know your kid's personality? Do you know, like, what works well with your kids? Not every kid is disciplined in the same way. Like... One of my kids, if I say, I'm disappointed, they're like. <laughs> One of my other kids, if I said, I'm disappointed, they're like, good. I'm going to disappoint you more. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> That's what they say. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'll go to your room. And they're like, good. I like my room. Thank you. And you're like, you like your room? Ah! And then you tear everything out. And you're like, you like it now? And you're like, now I got to rebuild. Okay, here we go. Back to Home Depot, right? It's a mistake. You know what you're working with. You got to take assessment. You got to know. Because when you know what you need, you can recruit the people that you need. Because here's the deal. This is what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes, hey, this, this place is messed up. But I can't do this on my own. You guys know there's like 20 to 30 people before you get here setting this whole place up? Right? You watch them, right? Like, you're like, look at all these people. Right? But here's the deal. Like, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I can't play the music and kick the drum and be the youth pastor and then give you the message. And then I can't. That's why we're building an incredible team here at Bedrock. And we're so excited that in the near future, we're going to be announcing brand new team members that I think you're going to be really excited about. Because God is growing the vision here and growing the purpose here. And let me tell you, as we move and grow, you know we've almost doubled in size every year we've existed. We started with 25 people. 25 people, 2,500 bucks. Do you, like, guys, we are about to give more money right now to these two incredible organizations than we started the church with. Like, Scott, I heard that amen. I know his voice because he used to be one of the only people in the room. He was my only encouragement because I didn't, there weren't people. But Scott can look around this room and be there tomorrow morning. And it's, God's done it. We've just said yes. And he's equipped us along the way. And we reassess, like, what do we need? And then God brings it. And he brings the people. 
And so here's what happens. Nehemiah chapter 2, 17 to 20. I promise I'm almost done. My clock has been off for a really long time. It started at the wrong time, so I don't even know what time it is. So here's what it says. Nehemiah goes to the elders and to the, to the nobles and all these people, and he says this. And then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with the gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for good work. But then Sandabalt and the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant of Geshem and the Arab heard of it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build what you have, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. What did Nehemiah do? He brought and he brings others with him. You gotta bring other people with you. If you've got a God-sized vision for your family, for, for your kids, for your relationships, you got to bring other people with you. This isn't the Lone Ranger time. This is like team time because teams will always run further, faster, longer than you will individually. You ever watch those races where the relay races where they're running with the baton and then they hand it off? You would definitely lose that race if you were the only one running it. I don't care how fast you are. You put Usain Bolt in there, he's going to beat him the first three laps. But I guarantee you they're going to catch up. Why? Because teams run further, faster, longer. That's why at Bedrock, we build teams. I can't be up here every week. I'm not that good. God's like, that takes a lot of time and prayer and discernment to come with the word of God. And God works on us. And there's times that I need a break. I'm so thankful that Mark was here and Cody was here and Danielle were here last week because I was dying. And because we had a team, everything happened. People were reached. The gospel was proclaimed. Lives were changed. Bob and I, Bob's my workout partner. I'm, put, I'm picking on him a lot because he told me if I get nervous, I need to look at him. So, Bob, I'm looking at you, right? He's my workout partner. Is he? Okay. It's more like we're not partners. He basically like, is like, this is what you're going to do. and It's going to hurt your body. And I'm like, okay, Bob, no problem. Right? And he does it. But here's the deal. Like, I, I, Bob and I talked about Mark's message this week. That's incredible you got to bring the right people along. But not only that, when you're trying to do a God-sized thing in your life, you need to expect opposition. Okay? We need to be spiritual preppers. Right? I had some uh, friends over recently, and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, things are going to get bad, man. I've, I've bought all this food. It's good for 35 years. It's in a bag. And you just like, you'll like open it and I guess you have Tex-Mex or you have like uh, burritos or you, you've got like sushi ready to go. I would not eat sushi out of a dry bag, but hey, you know, it's each their own, right? But here's the deal. They're prepping. They're prepping to get ready for if anything goes wrong. Are you spiritually prepping? Are you building into your life the word of God through prayer and reading, through Bible studies in small groups and in community with one another so that you are ready to face the opposition. Because if you have a God-sized vision for your life, you better believe the enemy's against it. A hundred percent. Did you see what happened in that passage? As soon as he told them about all of these things, opposition came in. 
opposition from the people. Why are you going to build that wall? You can't build that wall. You don't got enough. You can't do those things. Oh, don't you remember your past? Don't you remember last time you tried to build a wall? That thing just fell over and killed that dude. And he's like, well, I don't want to remember that. How many of you just stop apologizing? Stop trying romantically. Stop disciplining your kids. Stop going out. Stop the date nights. Stop all of these things because, man, one time it didn't work out. If you are going to do a God-sized thing, you have an enemy who's dead set against what you're doing. Sometimes you need to look at opposition as the favor of the Lord telling you you're going in the right direction. And you're going to need other voices in your life with the people that you bring along and says that is clarity that we're headed in the right place. You got to expect opposition, but not only do you need to expect it, you need to believe what God can do with it. Jeremiah or Nehemiah chapter 4 Verse 14 to 15, Nehemiah says this, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God, that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall and each to his work. When the enemies heard that God was on their side, I ain't messing with that. Uh-uh. That's the God of angel armies. That's the God who's created and spoke all things into existence. I'm not messing with that. What are you bringing into your life and how are you expecting opposition? But how are you fighting it? you got a God-sized vision. You better believe there's a little enemy coming after you. And I said little on purpose. But here's the deal. When you, when you really get a vision and a why, and you really clarify where you need to go, and you inspect what you've got and what you're going to need to bring, and you bring the right people on board, and you expect the war and the opposition, and you head yourself around that, you will get things done faster than you ever could imagine. Nehemiah chapter 6. Listen to what it says. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu. And you're like, I don't know that month. Well, he just clarifies. It just took 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this was the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. See, what happened is when the enemies came, Nehemiah said, hey, listen, half of you are going to do the work Half of you are going to protect the workers. But we're going to expect opposition, so we're going to be ready. We got the right people here to do this. And in 52 days, they built the wall. But here's what happens to so many of us. We start to get into this part of our life where the why disappears and what becomes much more tangible and important. So here's how the book of Nehemiah ends. Nehemiah completes the wall in 52 days. And right after that happens, Ezra comes in and he begins all of the rituals and sacrifices and things that Israel needs to do in the temple. And they start doing that. And people are confessing and doing all of these things. And you're like, man, this is great. Look at what they accomplished. Look at what happened. Look at how all of this happened. But at the end of the book, the heart of Israel had turned from God again. See, because here's the deal. They lost the why. They lost the vision. 
See, what happened was is while Nehemiah and Ezra were so busy building a place for the people to meet God, they didn't develop their hearts to receive him. And in everything that you do in your relationships, in your marriage, in your parenting, in all of those things, your main goal is not to build a what, but to develop a who, and that starts with why. Are we, you and I, you want an incredible family? Develop their hearts. Whenever we, not whenever, that would be a lie. That's like a real generalization. I try most of the time that when I'm disciplining my kids, we have a conversation as to why it's happening. Hey, we're going to lose golf cart tonight. Why? Because of the way that you spoke to mom. That's why. Because we speak with honor and respect. And what you spoke with was not honor and respect. And so a privilege comes away. And not because we don't love you, but because we love you. Because I want to preserve my kids' relationship with their mom. Because of the way that they speak to one another. Same thing happens with us, all of this. Do you see how why and developing a heart will make people hungry for the thing that you believe God's called you to? So why do you need to be here? Because this is where God develops us. This is where God blesses us. This is where we learn and hear from his word. This is where we get together. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we have the big group, small group. We had like 33 people here this week. I made them all say hi to each other because some go to Saturday night, some go to Sunday. And I'm like, we're all one church. Let's just say hi. Because we need to know that we're together in all of this. And so here's really practical what I want you to do. I want you to make smart goals. Smart. Smart. Everyone get ready to write this down. Get out your iPhone. Get out whatever. This is the real tangible, real easy stuff. Smart. What are smart goals? They're specific. They're measurable. They're attainable, they're relevant, and they're time-bound. So what are the SMART goals? You want me to say that again? Okay, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So some of you are like, okay, SMART goal. I need to apologize to my wife. Measurable is, I apologize to my wife. Attainable is, I don't need to buy her a brand new Mercedes. I just need to say the words. I need to ask for forgiveness. We're going to teach you guys how to actually ask for forgiveness and apologize. You know there's five steps to a real apology? What? Yeah. We're going to walk through that with you. Don't miss a week. Relevant. Like, the, the, what, what you're going to do needs to align with what you want to accomplish. You know what I'm saying? Like when we discipline our kids, we try to make like the, if there's a discipline necessary, it's related to what happened. Does that make sense? Like, hey, you can't speak nice to anybody. Then you're going to go upstairs and you're going to have quiet time for 20 minutes and you're not allowed to speak because you don't know how to use your voice. It's a weapon now. And what could bring life into people is now cutting your family down. And we want to stop you from that because we love you. And then it needs to be time-bound. Okay, here's where it all meets the road. When are you going to apologize? Can I give you some advice? Tonight. Tonight you're going to apologize. Tonight you're going to seek forgiveness. Tonight you're going to make amends. Because tomorrow's not promised. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave my family with any wonderings about how I love them, 
about how I care for them, about I'm sorry that I spoke that way or acted that way. I literally texted Kelsey because, you know, God works on you when you're doing this stuff. (laughs) And I texted her today and I said, I'm sorry I'm in a bad mood today. My speech today to my wife was curt and quick and unloving. Why? Because all of this other stuff outside of my relationship with her was happening. Saturday's the morning that bad news comes. When like the drum cage is falling over and the soundboard doesn't work and the announcements haven't been filmed and all of these things and I'm like, and Cody's sick and Danielle's on death's door, right? And so I'm like, it's Saturday, here we go. And so because of over here, there's opposition going on. I carried it into my relationship with my wife. And because she loves me, I speak to her sometimes like I wouldn't speak to any of you. Because I'm banking. I am banking on the relationship that we have. And I don't want to cheapen our relationship like that. Because I'm going to bank on grace. And so Kelsey, I'm sorry I spoke to you that way today. That is my fault and you didn't deserve that. Guys, this affects all of us. This is us. This is the family of God. And I'm not up here any better than anybody in here. And all of this, I have to do too. And so you want to have an incredible family? You need to make your dreams a reality. Let's take some action, church. Let's begin to do that. And so here's... Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.